certainly a great privilege that we have to be here today. I'm very thankful for the song leaders, for the song selection this morning. Certainly some songs that stir within us. Uh, the idea of us praising God, worshiping Him, and certainly that's our wants to be our, our focus here today. You know, I just thought as Titus led that first song, when we're here among people of like faith, what a blessing it is. How can we not sing the praise of God, our Creator? What a privilege it is for us to be here today. If you would, turn with me to John, the 21st chapter. I want to start there, read some scripture there to introduce our thoughts this morning. John 21, <clears throat> excuse me, John 21, beginning in verse 18. Now to remind you of what's going on here, this is after Peter's denial of Christ, after Christ's uh, crucifixion and his resurrection. Christ is speaking to Peter and he says to Peter three different times, feed my sheep. He has restored Peter. He's reminded Peter of what his purpose is. But let's pick up the reading in verse 18. And it says, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Now I want us to pay attention here to what Peter says in verse 20. Christ has said to Peter, follow me. And he has told him, you're going to die the death of a martyr. Let's look at what Peter's response is, or his question is. Peter, then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, and that's John, when it speaks of the disciple that Jesus loved, that's John. He said, who also had leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is this one who betrays you? Peter seeing him, Peter seeing John, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. Christ has told Peter, he said, you're going to die a horrible death. You're going to die the death of a martyr. Peter's processing that in his mind, and he's, that's been his fear all along. That's why he denied Christ, was that fear of martyrdom. And Christ tells him, that's, you're going to die in this manner. You're going to die in a terrible way. What's Peter's response? Peter does what we do a lot of times, and we play that game of comparison, doesn't he? He looks at John and he said, well, Christ, what about John? What's going to happen to him? In other words, do you think Peter was saying in his heart, well, okay, I can accept that I'm going to die a martyr, but tell me that, that John's going to do the same. Tell me that something bad's going to happen to John. Is that his thought process? I don't know. But that's the process that we have, the thought process that we have oftentimes is we want to, to compare our life, our situation, our circumstances to someone else. We make this mistake of continually comparing ourselves to other people. And this is not something that's new. It goes all the way back to the garden. What did Eve do when she was tempted to eat the fruit? The devil said to Eve, well, if you'll eat this fruit, you'll be as God. You'll be as God. You'll know uh, good from evil. That comparison was there in her mind that there was something that God had that she didn't have. 
She made a comparison there. Moses did the same thing. When God went to Moses and said, I want you to lead my people out of bondage, what did Moses do? He went to looking at himself and his own abilities, and he said, well, wait a minute, God, I've, I don't have a gift of speech. Aaron does. Aaron, Aaron can do it. You choose him. He made that mistake of, of comparing his abilities, his circumstances, to someone else. You know, I think we, we can look at sin and sometimes we say, well, I deal with this sin and somebody else deals with another. But in my mind, this sin of comparison is something that we all deal with at some point in our life and sometimes on a daily basis. What I want us to understand this morning is that it is sin. When we look at other people, when we make comparisons among our lives with other people, with their circumstances, it leads us to sin. You know, there are all kinds of people in this world, people that we deal with on a daily basis. There are people that are proud. There are people that are, uh, that are passive. Uh, people that are complex, unteachable, defiant, underachievers, overachievers. And what do we do? We try to compare ourselves to each and every one of them. It's no wonder that there are so many times that we feel empty. We compare ourselves at work, at home, in the church, in every aspect of our life. How often is the thought process, well, if, if I had the opportunity that that guy had, I would, I would be in a better situation. Or if I'd been blessed like she's been blessed, I would do more with it. Uh, when we make this comparison, when we have this sense of, of comparing our lives with others, we either feel proud of, of what we've done, or we feel like we've somehow missed out. We tend to be hard on ourselves, or on the other hand, we uh, tend to look at others and say, well, I'm not as bad as them. I want us to think this morning as we consider the sin of comparison, first of all, let's talk about the curse of comparison. When we fall prey to this idea of comparison, it leads us either to an inferior position or a position of superiority. To put it another way, if I'm constantly comparing myself with other people, it's either going to lead me to a sense of pride or of pity. Because I can always find somebody that I think has it better than me. I can find other people that I think have been blessed more than me. Or I can, on the other hand, see people that, that I have a, a greater opportunity or a greater blessing. And when we do that, when we look at it in that way, it leads us to sin because, I said, as I said, there's no other choice. It either leads us to pride or pity. You know, we can make comparisons of, of our, our possessions, of our job, of our families, our marriages, all of these things. If we make that mistake of looking at others, then there's always that idea of, well, my, I'm worse than or better than. Again, it goes back to this idea of inferiority or superiority. <clears throat> the next part of the curse of comparison is that it can produce anger or resentment. This resentment can be uh, either uh, towards others, toward our own life and our own circumstances, or even towards God. You know, we tend to look at other people and, and our, our fleshly, uh, fleshly part of our being says, 
Well, I'll look at, at their material things, or I'll look at the opportunities that they've been given. God doesn't focus on material things. God has given each and every one of us opportunities in our life. What's important is that we make the best of those opportunities, that we take what God has given us and we develop those talents or we take advantage of those opportunities so that we can use those things and use our life to glorify Him. As I said, we oftentimes can, this can lead us to resent others there's always someone around us that we see that we feel like their business is thriving or everything is going well in their marriage or everything is smooth in their families. But you know, the reality is we all deal with difficulty on a daily basis. I can always look at, at your life and from the outside it looks good. I don't know your struggles just like you don't know my struggles. Again, we've got to understand that, that we all have those difficulties, those struggles that we have to deal with. When we have this kind of mindset, it opens the door to Satan. You know, envy is the root of comparison. Let's read in James 3, verse, in beginning in verse 14. It says, But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but it is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. As I said, envy is the root of comparison. That's what we do when we look at other people's lives. We, we tend to envy the position that they are in. Comparison like this not only uh, leads to envy, but it leads to rebellion and deception. I'm reminded of the story in number 16 of Korah. Let's read there number 16 beginning with verse 1. It says, Now Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. In verse 3, And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them. And the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? Do you hear the pride in, in what these men said? These men said, Moses, why do you take all this on yourself? We have the same ability. We're all holy in God's sight. Why, why don't we have this, ability, or this responsibility? Why don't you allow us to take on some of this responsibility? It was a sense of pride that they had because they compared themselves to Moses and said, well, hey, I've got the same ability. Why, why can't I do that? That led them to rebellion. And if you continue to read the story, God... Uh, God responds to that rebellion. And, and it says that, that Moses called the men out and, and that they were standing in front of their tents and that the earth opened up and swallowed them. God hates rebellion. God hates this kind of, of sense of pride and, and, and this comparison that we often uh, make uh, among ourselves. When we envy someone else, 
when we envy their job, their possessions, any of these things, we open ourselves up to the devil. The next thing I want us to look at is the cause of comparison. First of all, the first cause of comparison is a lack of acceptance of who we are. We tend to not see the abilities that God has given us and not accept those abilities that we've been given. Let me give you a personal illustration of this. I admire Hugh Miller for his teaching ability. I've always appreciated that he has a talent to teach and he, he uses that to benefit the church. There are many times that I've even said to myself, well, I wish I could teach like Hugh. Well, when I became an elder and I saw the, the schedule of speakers, guess who I followed? I followed Hugh. But you know what? There is no single person, there is no person that is our standard. Our standard is what God has done for us, the abilities that He's given us, and how we use those abilities to His glory. That's the standard. When we look at people as our standard, we're always going to fail because we're all human. So let's consider that. Let's keep that in mind that our uh, standard is what God has given us and His expectation of us. You know, we tend to look at other people and say, man, that guy's got it all together. But again, no one has it all together. We all have our own struggles. We need to stop comparing ourselves to others and ask ourselves the question, do I ever feel jealous around people who are more talented or have more opportunity than I believe that I have? If the answer is that yes, then we must understand that the abilities that we have come from God and recognize that we all have abilities, we all have talents. And comparing those things causes jealousy. I'm reminded of Saul's attitude as we read in 1 Samuel 18, beginning with verse 5. It says there, And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all men. And also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing, to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? What did this sense of comparison do to Saul? As we continue to read about the life of Saul, it destroyed him. His only pursuit in life was going after David. He wanted to kill him. There were numerous times that he tried to take David's life. His envy consumed his life. It destroyed him, and it kept him from doing what God had intended him to do. Let's be very careful, again, about what our standard is. 
I ask the question, do I secretly envy my peers who have more or make more than I do? You know, comparing our possessions causes jealousy. And causing, uh, comparing our problems causes self-pity and resentment. When we make the mistake of comparing ourselves to others, we are truly missing out on what God has for our life. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You and I have been equipped by God's Word to be of service in His kingdom. And that's where our focus needs to be. He's given us what we need. He's given us our talents. He's given us ability. And it's our responsibility to use it. You know, we all know people, we've been around people that tend to be overly competitive. Sometimes maybe we're that person in every crowd that's over-competitive. Let's remember that we're not in a contest with other people. Our contest, our struggle, is with the devil every day. We've got to remember that. Success in life is not about being superior or inferior but rather about becoming what God would have us to be and what He equips us to be. I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians. I've got that wrong on one of the slides. It's Ephesians 3, verse 12. Let's read there. Paul says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What did Paul say? He said, I haven't attained. He said, I'm not there. I'm a work in progress. Paul realized, just as you and I need to realize, that we all have our own struggles. Our identity is not in our job. Our identity is not in what we do. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. And, and Paul realized that. As we deal with the idea of comparison, we must realize, as I said, that our identity is in Christ. Let's read in 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to be reading several verses here, and, and I invite you to read along with me as we have the, the verses. And, and this particular one and several that I've tried to note are in, in the New King James Version. But let's read in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12. <clears throat> For as the body is one and has many members, but all members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now, 
And let's pay special attention. He said, God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? Let's all come to the realization that we are where we are in the body of Christ, and it's because it pleased God. He is the one that set us in the kingdom, gave us a responsibility, gave us a talent, and let's do that to His glory. When we think about this, when we think about the abilities that we feel like we have or don't have, I believe that, th that this is something that we all are guilty of at times. And this is a tactic that Satan uses to keep us from being useful in the kingdom. That he uses to keep us from using our talents to the glory of God. How many times have I said, well I don't have this ability or I can't do whatever the talent or ability is like someone else. We need to be very, very careful that we don't focus on what we can't do, but rather what we can do. Everyone has abilities. If nothing else, we all have the ability to be kind. We have the ability to encourage other people. I was reminded of this, and, and, and Rhonda and I were talking about it. We were at Wayne Newman's funeral and ran into Don Cantrell, a guy that used to live here. Most of you know him. He is one of those guys you cannot talk to Don for five minutes without being feeling positive, feeling encouraged, because that's just his personality. He's one of those guys that always has a smile. He's always encouraging, always complimentary of you, always asking about what you do. He's one of those guys that you just appreciate. Again, there's no reason for any of us to make excuses when it comes to this idea of talent. There's things that we can do, and it, sometimes it's the very simplest things that can be of great service in the kingdom of God. We need to be an encourager. We need to be someone that is kind. Be someone that reflects Christ in our lives each day. The next cause of comparison, I believe, is a lack of identity. Second Corinthians 10 verse 12, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. When we compare ourselves to others, the Bible says this is not wisdom. We often question simple things just as our, our God-given roles in life, our roles within the family. And I want to take this opportunity to, to speak about something that, that I think is, is important. And I want to talk to our young mothers as, as they are raising children. You know, they're, what you're doing in the home is an amazing, amazing task. The world's going to tell you that you need to be career-oriented. The world's going to tell us that there's so many things that are worthy of our pursuit. But you young ladies that are raising children, you're preparing disciples. You're doing what Christ did when He trained His disciples. 
He spent every day with them. He ate meals with them. He answered difficult and sometimes silly questions. But you ladies are doing something that is of greatest importance in the kingdom of God. Let's think about that. Whatever our task is, whatever our role is, let's take it seriously. Let's do it in a way that honors God and that shows the world the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. You know, comparison is a trap and a deadly game that people play. The road of comparing ourselves with other people is hard and it's unyielding because no matter how we strive and achieve, there will always be someone else that we perceive to be bigger or better or faster or whatever the adjective is. At the end of the road, constant comparison is bitterness, resentment, and jealousy. Comparison robs us of contentment. Comparison, again, is the devil's tool. And he's happy when he can make us feel inadequate or can cause us to, uh, to fear or to uh, doubt our own abilities. We need to understand, just as Paul understood, that we are what God created us to be. Here's a verse that I really had not noticed before till I prepared this study. And, you know, there's a saying that a lot of people use, it is what it is. I don't really like that statement. It, it to me, kind of leaves things open like, well, you know, that's just the way it is, and I'm going to deal with it. But what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, he says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Now, Paul didn't say, I am what I am, get over it. But he said, by the grace of God, I am where I am, and I'm going to do to the best of my ability, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to use my abilities to glorify Him. God made you to be you. Psalms 139, verses 13 and 14 says, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. We are all here by God's design. God formed us long before birth. He gave us a purpose. He gave us a life, an ability to serve Him. You know, true success can never be measured against someone else because that standard is always faulty and inconclusive. We will always be on shaky ground if our standard is people and the standards of this broken world. True success is being who God created you to be. It's opening your heart to God and doing what He has called you to do and doing it for His glory. Whether or not it is as good as someone else, or like someone else, or less than someone else, God is looking for hearts in which He can reign 
and through which he can work. I would encourage all of us to make an estimate of our worth according to God's value system. And how do we do that? First of all, we do that by realizing that we are created in the image of God. And secondly, we do that by realizing that Jesus Christ died for our sins. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, what you've done, Jesus came to die for you. We need to refuse to compare ourselves with others. We need to stop looking around us and start looking towards Christ. God loves you and He is working on all of us as we allow Him to do. The third cause of comparison is covetousness. To me, this is something that our, our society, our world deals with, and it's something that I think is very dangerous to us. This idea of covetousness, of wanting what someone else has, basically is saying, I'm not happy with what I have. I'm not happy with what I've been given. I want what he has, or I want what she has. You know, when we think about covetousness, this is ingratitude at the highest level. We become jealous of people, envious of things, and when we do that, what did James tell us? He said that e every evil work abounds. When we think about our society and people's perception, I, I just looked at a few statistics that I wanted to share with you. 52% of Americans say that they are, are unhappy with their job. Shouldn't we be happy that we have a job? Shouldn't we be happy that we are provided for? Shouldn't we be happy that we have the necessities? We've, we have those things that God has promised us. We shouldn't focus on all the additional things. Another survey said that only one in three Americans say that they're very happy. Discontentment is something that is rampant around us. But you know, on the other hand, contentment gives glory to God because it shows that we trust Him. We show ourselves satisfied with God's wisdom and His goodness. Discontentment brings so many other problems. You know, I've heard the saying that the devil loves to fish in troubled waters. And that's very true when we have an attitude of discontentment. It's a great trap in the devil's hand to lead us away from Christ. When we are discontented, we are more open to using sinful methods to relieve our distress. We're more open to the devil's suggestions, just as Eve was in the garden. And when I think about this, again, we can always look around us and see other people that we think have been blessed more than we do. Maybe our business is not going as it should. Does that lead us then to give in to the devil and say, well, I'll use some practices that are a little bit questionable, or I will do some things that otherwise I wouldn't do because I need to get ahead? Again, these are tools of the devil that we've got to be aware of. Colossians 3 verse 5 says, Mortify, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now we may ask the question, how is it that covetousness is idolatry? 
If we covet something, that means that's where we put our focus. And anything that we focus on other than God is and can become an idol, right? So we've got to be very careful about that, that we focus on God, that we keep our focus where it should be. The next thing I want us to think about is the cure for comparison. And let's turn to Romans, the first chapter, as we wrap up our thoughts here this morning. And let's look at what I believe is the cure to this sin of comparison. Let's begin reading in Romans 1, beginning with verse 21. It says, because although they knew God. Now let's stop right there. This is a group of people just like you and I. They knew God. It wasn't that they were ignorant. They knew God. But let's continue reading. It says, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever." What happened here, this group of people, it says they knew God, but what happened? They took their eye off of God. They lost their focus. They began to focus on things. They began to focus on other people. And that's exactly what we do when we fall to this sin of comparison. We, go, we begin to focus on things other than God, to focus on things that we shouldn't be focusing on. So let's go back to verse 21. What did, what's the cure? Well, he stated, he said that they did not glorify God. So I would say the first cure to, to comparison is to glorify God. The second, he said, nor were they thankful. The second cure for comparison is to be thankful. And then he went on to say, but they became futile in their thoughts. So to, to turn that around, I think the third cure for comparison would be for us to renew our minds. <clears throat> so let's take those three and talk about them. First of all, let's glorify God. What's another word for glorify? It's magnify. You think about a magnifying glass, you, you use it and it makes things bigger. When we glorify God, we magnify Him. We put our focus on Him. But when we go to comparing ourselves, we move that focus away from God, don't we? So the cure for comparison is to glorify God. To use the talents that we've been given. To take advantage of the opportunities to magnify God and to show His goodness and His, gratefulness, His greatness. The second cure is to be thankful. We have so much to be thankful for. We need to consider the grace of God in our lives. Everything that we are, everything that we have, we have by the grace of God. As I say, a discontentment and I think ingratitude is a great problem that we have today. Ingratitude becomes a habit and it causes this continual cycle of comparison. So let's state it this way, if ingratitude can be a habit, we can turn that around and thankfulness can be a habit. And I want to just give you a suggestion. If we want to develop this habit or this idea of thankfulness or of gratitude, 
What about if we just made a list every day of 10 things that we're thankful for? That would be easy enough, wouldn't it? Whether we listed those things or if it's something that we just mentally thought about or that we prayed about, wouldn't we be more thankful if we deliberately and intentionally enumerated things that God has blessed us with that we're thankful for? Wouldn't that create in us a habit of thankfulness? If we learn to be thankful, then I truly believe that this will stop this continual cycle of comparison. The third cure for comparison is to renew your mind. <clears throat> Romans 12, beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, <clears throat> which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When we fall prey to the sin of comparison, we go to looking at the things in the world about us, that we want to be conformed to those things. But the cure for that is for us to renew our mind, for us to focus on God's blessing and what God's purpose is in our lives. Colossians 3 verse 2 says, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. You know, God is more interested in developing in us the character of Christ than meeting all of our needs or wants. Our ability is to be content is under attack today. <clears throat> Advertising agencies spend billions of dollars to encourage discontentment and create in us a desire to buy their products. And in order for us to want to buy something new, we first have to be dissatisfied with what we already have. A heart that is not satisfied causes us to make constant, unnecessary changes in our lives that never produce the benefits that we desire. Proverbs 27 and verse 20 says, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Never full, never plenty, never enough. If we focus on earthly things, it will never be enough. Selfish and self-centered people are never content because the flesh can never be satisfied. Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So I simply ask you this morning, what are you pursuing? Unless you are pursuing God, you will never be satisfied. Each and every one of us must pursue God and imitate Christ if we are to be successful and to fulfill our purpose in Christ. I'll leave the thoughts with you this morning. If you are here today and subject to the gospel call, we want to offer the Lord's invitation. If you've been taught and would like to respond uh, to him in baptism, we certainly want to give you that opportunity this morning. If you're here and, and you need the prayers of the church, if there's some way that we as the body of Christ can help you by praying with you and for you, then we want to do that. And so we would invite you to come as we stand and sing the invitation.